This is the Hidden White Podcast, episode 634 with Thomas Habul. G'day ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. This is episode 634 and today I'm bringing you an interview that I did with Thomas Habul. We talk about mysticism, inner science, consciousness and the unconsciousness. We talk about the behaviours that are associated with it and how it all relates to evolution. So Thomas Habul is a visionary teacher, innovator and founder of the Pioneering Academy of Inner Science, which promotes the study and the principles of mysticism and human inner development. He was originally a student of medicine and science, however, Thomas took a radical departure into the exploration of mysticism, including a four-year meditation retreat. Over the past 15 years, Thomas has dedicated himself to a systematic exploration of mysticism, gaining insight into how mystical knowledge can help fill the gaps in science. In this conversation, I explore Thomas's distinct approach in understanding consciousness, evolution, and the junctures between mysticism and science. Guys, it's a fantastic conversation. I hope you really enjoyed. I got a lot out of it. Um, yeah, quite, you know, quite different and unique, I suppose. Um, but shares a lot of great fundamentals that I believe we all need to reconnect with to find a greater sense of meaning and purpose and happiness in our life. Guys, I hope you're incredibly well today. Again, thank you for tuning in and supporting the show. I would love to hear your thoughts on this show, so jump onto thehiddenwhy.com and leave your comments in the show notes there. Reach out to me anytime, thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. Until next time, enjoy. See ya. Hello, Thomas. Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Great to connect. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay, yes. All the way over on the other side of the world, we have to yell extremely loud. That's true. <laughs> Whereabouts are you? At the moment, I'm in Cyprus in Europe. Okay, because I understand you sort of um, live between Israel and Germany. Is that right? Yes, uh, basically, uh, I'm, yeah, I live in Israel at the moment, but I travel a lot for my work, so I'm often in Europe or in the US or China, yeah. Traveling all over the shop. So how long has this been going on for? Like, what what, what do you do? And, yeah, tell us a little bit of uh, background about yourself. Yeah, first of all, you know, I started off as a medical student, and, um, and uh, when I was 26, I suddenly – not suddenly, like when I was 19, I started to meditate regularly. And when I was 26, I felt kind of I need a time out. I need a, and then I took off and I went on a meditation retreat. And it turned out that it, you know, at the end, it was more than four years. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a, a very deep um, time where I meditated many hours a day and I, and I kind of explored layers of human consciousness and okay. um i think that was a very deep study time and after that i think that was kind of 15 years ago now um yeah okay Through can i just a- interrupt there when you when you say you know you're you're 26 i think you said um you know uh, practicing medical student um what was that feeling of you know i needed to get away and, and do something like obviously the meditation um, you were practicing that for many years and perhaps that had uh, some sort of drawing for you. Um, but was there yeah. some sort of anxious feeling with that, like that need to get away? Because that's a, quite a common age for people to feel a little bit restless about their life. Yeah, it was um, – no, it wasn't anxious. It was more um, like 
gradually there was a growing feeling of like that kind of an inner calling. And because I loved medicine and I worked very passionately as a paramedic for the Red Cross as a volunteer and I loved emergency medicine and kind of there was like the like I was also deeply into medicine. But then um like there's this, this other deeper calling, you know, I practiced yoga at the time. And then after some time I got connected, I read like tons of books and uh, got very inspired. But eventually I felt that like I need a, like a deep silent time in order to, to develop what's really inside of me or what's my, my calling in life. And, um, mm. And that turned out to be true. I mean, that that was a very deep time, and I and I it was like a studying time. When I look back, and it was not always easy because I there was also a struggle with with uh, leaving medicine, and like it wasn't just an easy journey. But overall, I felt very guided through that time. So when I look back, I can see like a real development over the course of the four years and. Hmm. What, so, what did your parents you know, and, and family sort of think about, you know, you just leaving the the medical field to, to go and do that? I mean, that's quite intense, four years, um, silence retreat right. meditation. That's right. Um, as you can guess, like my parents didn't really understand that uh, at that time and um, and thought, hey, what are you doing? You know, you know like you, you were so into into medicine and studying and and then you leave everything. It it wasn't easy for them, um, but anyway, I I somehow felt that this has to happen. Uh, like, <laughs> and so simply that was part of it. Um, and and now after some time, when my parents saw that, kind of I I came back and I and I do what I do right now in the world. So they kind of with me. Mm. Uh, but at that time, it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, so that's after four years. You do the meditation. Um, you know, you develop this inner awareness, I suppose, um, and searching for that inner calling. Talk to a, talk to us about this this inner calling. I mean, some of the people listening, uh, myself included, uh, it can be sometimes we're a little bit skeptical about. You know, does does everyone have a calling? Uh, is there such thing as a calling? Um, what are your thoughts on that? What is an inner calling? Yeah, it's very important that. That we, that we say, yes, I believe everybody has a kind of an inner calling, hmm. but the calling is not the same for everybody. And so, and the same for everybody, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't look a certain way. And that's why we, if we want to learn to listen to our inner calling, it's kind of, we, we develop a, a kind of a sense of ourselves so that I can feel myself. Because I think the calling is not a mental thing. It's a kind of a, it's a felt, felt um, sense in ourselves. It's kind of a more intuitive felt sense that where what is the core of our intelligence? Because I believe through all our cores and our central channels, there runs life, like life pulses through us, and that life has different intelligences. Hmm. And every one of us, I think, needs to find out what is what is kind of my tune that I play in the big composition. And so, and how we do that is, is first of all, through the ability to, to kind of tune in with oneself, to feel oneself, but also to become more quiet and, and listen. And then we see 
often that because in my understanding of life, it's kind of a human being is the lovemaking of the future with the past, which means that in every one of us, there's a creative drop of evolutionary energy. There's something like the future of life wants to move. And then often we are also kind of stuck or buried sometimes in, in chunks of the past, our own past, our culture's past, or our parents' past. And, and so it needs some time to detox ourselves, like to go through a detox phase. And for many people, meditation at the beginning is also like we sit, but we are not quiet. We are like our minds racing, our mm. emotions are coming. And so it's not always that, oh, now I decide to be mindful and then everything is quiet and peaceful. The opposite often. At the beginning, when we sit down, our mind is happy because it jumps on us and it, it's kind of just active. But that's in a way a good thing. It's like our, I often say meditation nowadays, especially also in the digital age, is like when we, when we discovered that when we wash ourselves, hygiene is actually prolonging our life it's like it's 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 a breakthrough like antibiotics so we discovered bacteries and then we discovered there is a substance that that helps us to get over infections and and in a way meditation is is a kind of a hygiene for the psyche it's a hygiene for our emotional world and for our like inner body tension and stress. And so for many people, meditation, before it becomes a, a, a deep spiritual practice, it is a kind of a balancing practice, a detox practice. And when we do it for a certain time, we discover that, that there is a kind of a silencing. There, is a, there are moments, windows, and they become longer, where we really drop into more expanded spaciousness mm. inside. And that spaciousness, I believe, is the place where we can listen to our calling. That's where what I call often the whisper. The calling is often not as loud as the noise of the world. So it's, it's, it's a quieter whisper inside. So when I'm very kind of involved in the noise of the world, which my mind is a part of, so then it's hard for me often to hear that calling. Yeah. But when I when I become quieter inside, and that's what, what all the spiritual practitioners basically do, they quieten their mind in order to listen to a deeper intuition and inspiration. So I think that's that's the main thing, and also to follow what we are really passionate about, mm. both. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions there. I can certainly relate to um, meditation. I'm, I'm still relatively young with uh, meditating. I've practiced for probably a few years now. Um, very, I would say inconsistently, but, um, yeah, certainly my mind jumps all over the place when I, when I try to sit there and, um, you know, quieten the mind. Um, so I certainly can relate to that, but going back to the calling that, that inner, that sort of feeling, it's more of a, not, not a mental thing. I think that sort of, um, says it very well. It's more of a feeling and, you know, in, in your discussions there, I mean, a feeling is like, you know, hunger, hunger is a feeling. Yeah. Um, but perhaps it's a little bit less subtle than that or, or quieter than, than that sort of feeling. Right. It's like a, when we, like in the attachment process of a child, like when a child grows and, and it has safety, emotional connection, warmth, potential-oriented attention, and so on. So the child uh, develops through the parents a, a healthy sense of him or herself. So the 
the, the 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 child anchors itself in the body and 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 gets a sense of of his or her own voice so what is my voice what do it's also connected to the will of the child to live so there is a will that has different levels of will that that run through us and so when we are connected to ourselves through the detachment process, we feel ourselves. It means that my physical experience, my emotional experience, and my mental experience and my creativity are kind of one message. Hmm. But through trauma and through kind of double messages from our environment, like that, that our parents are kind of fragmented inside, our teachers are fragmented inside. So we are used to get kind of fragmented messages. It's not that the body, the emotion, and the mind says the same thing. Often people say A, but their body says B. And, and we grow up in a field that is already based on separation. And so that becomes the normal reality, whereas our essence is actually the normal reality the enlightened moments or the essential moment or the creative moment this is our normal reality it's kind of the upside down nature of reality and and so when we when we practice like it's 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 kind of a like we need a phase where we can really detox ourselves and and um and and heal that that kind of fragmentation and then we also feel ourselves but in our time like through the mentalization and a lot of intellectual work and a lot of disembodiment and trauma that we carry inside it we 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 are losing and also through living in big cities and not being connected anymore to our food chain and to nature like there are many temptations to actually pull life into a very mentalized world. And I think in the spiritual practice, we know that, first of all, we need to synchronize body, emotions, and mind to create a grounded experience. And on top of that, we can develop higher levels of development or consciousness in a sustainable way. And that's that's also where, for, for many people, like when in life it's difficult, like many people try to exit and bypass the difficulties in their life through spiritual practice. And that's actually what we don't want to support. We want a spiritual practice that helps us to take care of the difficulties in our life, not that helps us to escape. And so when we don't heal that fundamental fracture in our humanity, there's a high chance that we try to use spirituality to escape. And I think that's one of the pathologies of spirituality, that we can... Once we know about it and we say, okay, I need a spiritual practice, but I also need maybe an integration practice or like a therapeutic practice or a trauma healing practice or any kind of body work, something that helps me to get more integrated as a human being. Mm. And then I think uh, the whole package together is, I believe, what we need in the culture because we are not sitting in a cave 15 hours a day or 20 hours a day. We are living in the marketplace, like we are living in life. Yeah, this this um, I mean these realities that you're sort of referring to, um, I, I could probably say external and internal realities, um, and this this one that we're caught up in. Most of us, you, you mentioned there something about um, it is a reality of separation uh, already. What, what do you mean by that? 
yeah that that when we when we look into the world i believe because my my work took me from after being very kind of silent for a long time so then i traveled the world with a suitcase and a computer for four years i gave a lot of one-on-one sessions i gave every weekend or whatever very often workshops and um and then life in a way showed me in my groups like kind of more collective trauma eruptions and especially when i worked a lot in germany at the beginning i the second world war and the holocaust like this came up very strongly in my groups and then i thought after it happening again and again i i thought okay there's something to study and then over the last 15 years i i developed kind of a whole understanding or kind of framework around collective traumatization that actually many of us all around the world have been born into a collectively traumatized field and if this is whatever slavery and racism if this is a native american genocide if this is the holocaust apartheid um, in china the traumatizations like all around the world, we find impacts of what happens right now in Syria or in the Middle East. It's There are many um, fields where the next generation is actually born into a traumatized and fragmented field. Traumas, the nature of trauma is a kind of a dissociation and a frozenness and a hyperactivation. So... That's what many of us are used to, but for us, is like we don't know the world any other way. And now in science, we see more and more that we have more and more evidence that actually epigenetics transfer trauma from one generation to the next. Mm. Okay. And, and so... And so we are used to that within our own epigenetic transmission, so we carry it in every cell, and we we... We are used to growing up in a society where there is a lot of fragmentation. So that teaches us in a way when we grow up as kids. And I think that's why we see that not unification is the usual um, state, but fragmentation. And, and, and a lot of the spiritual practice is actually about reversing that and seeing and experiencing myself again as an integral part of a whole, like that the whole universe or whatever whole, every, all of life is kind of integrally connected. It's, it's kind of one web of life. And, um, so that's our, that's our journey through different practices. Okay. So this, this, um, trauma that's carried on collectively from one generation to the next, um, fragments and separates us from perhaps this this inner connection or calling, um, which is more about um, uniting one another and uniting the collective. Does that is that yeah, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. With with the calling, um, I just wanted to jump back there for a second. Um, you know, mm-hmm. again, talking about this inner calling uh, as a feeling, as something that um, you know we we ought to follow and pursue. Most of the design of the human um, body, spirit, etc., is I feel generally has a purpose. Perhaps there is no purpose at all um, uh, on a larger scale, but I believe everything generally has a purpose. And so, a feeling that is a calling um, 
you know, other than the individual's pursuit um, as what purpose that might serve, what is the larger purpose of having a calling? Does that make sense? Yeah, the calling is like the orchestration. It's like when you when you um, when there when you see an orchestra and there is a conductor. Let's say the overarching calling that every one of us feels in a different way through the lens of our individual intelligence is like the calling makes us listen to the main conductor or to the higher organizing principle of humanity. And it's interesting when we see that, for example, when a dog is thirsty, um, the dog gets up and we take it for granted that millions of cells want the same thing. You know, what makes the dog and all the cells do the same thing? Why are not at least 30% of the cells say, no, I, I, I don't feel like getting up now? Yeah, so they will unite and, and, and go for the water. Right. They all go, like when you get up in the morning in order to have this conversation, we take for granted that our body wants to get up. But that, that, that's a collaboration of millions of cells they do the same thing. Why do they do the same thing? Who tells all the cells to do the same thing? And and I think when we think of humanity, like I believe this collective trauma field is kind of like a dysynchronization. So we often don't listen to that inner calling. But in a way, the inner calling is our essence. And mm-hmm. so when we feel it, when we listen to it, and when we follow that that calling in life, it's like we that's that equals listening to the conductor. And when more and more people listen to the main conductor, to kind of an invisible conductor, the orchestra orchestra starts to to play. And it's like the philharmony. It's like the uh, a well-tuned orchestra. Like every 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 musician with the different instruments plays a different tune and a different kind of instrument, but we all play like one symphony. And I think that's that's true in humanity as well. We just don't know that reality, how it would look like if collective intelligence would be unleashed. That's, you know, that equals like many of us listening to our calling and every one of us supporting every one of us to listen to that calling. That's why your show is is great, because if the, the the fact that you do this inquiry with many people kind of sparks that inner kind of um, journey or sparks that inner, inner awareness. Mm. Yeah, inner search to to really that more and more people will listen to their inner calling. First of all, that's what makes us happy. Secondly, that's the resource for our healing. And and thirdly, that, that's in a way um, what what unites us when everyone and, and how we can support each other the best. Like potential oriented society means that I want you at your best and you want her at her best and so on, so that we support each other in in really living kind of that essential intelligence. And for some people, that means that they will develop something amazing for society. For other people, it means that they heal deep wounds that they have 
But it doesn't matter. It's not about how successful we are in the world. It's more that we follow that calling, and that is successful in itself. That's that's um, okay. that's what yeah. makes us happy. So each of us tuning into our inner conductor, I guess, um, and using that to guide us forward uh, allows us to overcome this collective trauma that we talked about before um, and hopefully uh, unite the world in a way that brings a greater sense of harmony and peace uh, perhaps to the world as well because we're all on an individual level uh, quite satiated with our purpose. Right, that's right. And and also I think the willingness to to really meet also the challenges that we have in our life. Like that spiritual practice also means that we will be more available, that we are more engaged and that we participate more in life because that's what grounded presence is. And so also I think another deep practice to to get one's potential manifested in the world is that we that we find more of a yes to go through the phases that we don't like so much mm. like that that spiritual practice is not about kind of just hanging out in in bliss but it it's also about you know when we are in bliss fantastic and when we are dealing with the aftermath of the holocaust also fantastic because that's in a way what's what's needed and and I think that courage to say, yes, if difficulties arise, I'm here. And if it's very easy and flowing, I'm also here. And I think that's a that's a very powerful statement. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm thinking out to a thought that came when you said sort of ourselves unite together to, you know, for for a purpose like the dog getting water. You know, hundreds of cells come together for that for that reason. Um, myself getting up this morning to do a podcast and sitting here right now talking to you, likewise you on the other end talking to me. There's a collective formation of conscious effort there for us to do that. Um, And perhaps you can elaborate on this a little bit further, but I'm I'm just thinking there's a conscious level of what we're doing, but there's a lot of unconscious stuff going on as well. Um, And there's a lot of cells and things doing other things that I have probably absolutely no awareness of, like I'm a metabolizing my meal that I ate last night or whatever it might be, my adrenaline kicking in to, you know, wake the body up. Um, there's, there's all these other things going on as well. So right now, yes, I can understand that, um, consciously I've, I've made it to this call and talking with you, but there's a lot of other things going on as well. So talk to us a little bit about consciousness, unconsciousness and, and yeah, allowing us to better understand that. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I'd say, you know, there, there are three different levels maybe. There is something like there is our conscious awareness. That's the, the conscious room we live in. And then <clears throat> there is the unconscious that is divided into two different sections. Like the one section is where, for example, what your liver does right now is most probably not so important, doesn't have such a high priority in your Google ranking, and that's why it doesn't mm-hmm. appear on the first page. <clears throat> so, which means you have potentially access, so if you have a good body awareness, you can feel your liver. You can feel your whatever parts of your body that you are usually not aware of. So when we train it, we can learn to feel it. 
So there's the part of the unconscious that is like kind of on page 10 in the Google ranking. And that's why it doesn't appear when you type it into the Google search on the first page. So you would need to click, you know, you need to put more energy into feeling it. And, and, and then there is the part of your unconscious that even if you wanted to, you cannot have access. It's the access denied part. That's all the unconscious and traumatized parts of us that, that we put an effort into to keep out of our awareness as children. Because children, when they land in a good party, like with parents that really support them, they can develop and they don't need to suppress so much and they don't need to suppress a lot of overwhelm or hurt or wounds. But children that land in families where there is a lot of abuse, violence, whatever, all kinds of unsupportive circumstances, children cannot leave. And that's why when they cannot regulate themselves in relation, so to, to really clarify things in relation, they need to over-regulate their interior. And that's usually painful and overwhelming. And so that's why we, we have this department access denied because our intelligence, not because we are stupid, not at all, because we were intelligent, we found regulations that actually helped us to survive better in those circumstances. And, and that's usually what we work on through shadow work or trauma work or integration work. That's an important part of our mm. spiritual journey also. And then, and then there is the part that is what I often call what is above the ceiling of the room that you are sitting in. When we, we look at the ceiling, we don't know what's above our ceiling. Yeah. And, and so where our content, the, the, where our current development of consciousness ends, that's the ceiling of our reality. That's how much reality we can experience. And in the mystical traditions, in the spiritual traditions, it's very clear that we talk a lot about transcendence, but we also talk a lot about building an instrument for higher consciousness. So our nervous system cannot perceive parts of reality that are above our ceiling. They don't arise in us. It doesn't mean that they don't exist. They exist, but they don't exist in our conscious perception. And and so there are many practices in the in the in the mystical practices that help us to build an antenna. Like if you don't have a receiver in your radio, there are many radio stations, but you don't hear anything. Hmm. And so if we don't develop a certain capacity for higher consciousness, so it for us it doesn't exist. It's like but it's not that it doesn't exist, it just doesn't exist in us. Okay. And that's why it's 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 important. So there are two parts of the unconscious, and then there is the superconscious part, like that is above our regular consciousness, that is also out of the range of our regular experience. And for both dimensions, the unconscious and the superconscious part, we can have practices in our life that make those worlds and levels of ourselves more available. And that's beautiful because that means the world literally expands. Like there's a bigger world mm. in development of consciousness. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. And I suppose like developing that, that high sense of consciousness, we can bring, um, well, change the prioritization of our current consciousness as well because, as you said, there's stuff that might rank on page two <laughs> through the Google rankings, which may be more yeah. importantly to be ranking on page one at the top at the moment. 
um, yet through the trauma that we're living, um, perhaps we're just not conscious of that or bringing it to the forefront um, of our priorities. So developing the high conscious, I would assume, would help us do that. Um, but also, yeah, live in a, a larger reality by developing our super conscious. Does that sound right? Beautifully said. Yes, lovely. So, yeah. how, how do we? Um, perhaps that's that's where we can sort of finalise our discussion. And we've talked a lot about meditation and things like that. But um, maybe in, in a few steps, what can we do to help develop our higher level of self awareness so we can connect within and develop this higher sense of consciousness as well? Right. I mean, I think there are multiple things. Like to take regularly, regularly means best every day, a certain amount of time. It's like a, a window. Like, you know, in 24 hours, we create the window of just sitting and listening. And like using our breath maybe to ground ourselves in the body. So every time we exhale, there's a kind of a deepening of our body awareness. But essentially, just to listen. And what do we listen to? We listen to perception. I have a perception of my body. I have a perception of my emotions, my mind, my environment, maybe some intuitions that come in or some inspiration. But essentially, I'm listening to the, um, to the, the composition of this moment. And I think when I do it every day, so it establishes a kind of a sense of presence. And that helps me again, especially in, in more difficult life situations, to stay more centered. So there's one level where we develop silence meditation. And, and silence meditation starts with mindfulness. What would be called mindfulness is a kind of a synchronization of awareness mm -hmm. and my senses. From mindfulness, we drop into spaciousness so that I feel kind of more expanded inside and I feel like I'm, I, I feel more spacious. From that, we go into kind of a deep sense of magnetic presence. This is a very deep stillness state. And from there, sometimes it happens that people drop into non-dual awareness. And so that's one thing. The other thing is that... Um, um, there are many practices how we can connect to to the dimension of light. So light is is kind of life in movement, is conscious awareness of, of life. And so there are practices how we can connect to um, kind of higher intelligence, or which I believe is like our future. Like I, I see our future, not what happens tomorrow, because tomorrow can just be a repetition of today. So often, you know, when we are caught up in patterns, we create tomorrow similar dynamics than we created today or yesterday. So that's not the future. That's kind of a repetition. But the future is when we touch something higher that inspires us, that tomorrow is a new tomorrow. That's, I think, the real future. When something was innovative or creative or something new has uh, found its place in our life. And, and so the higher consciousness is basically also the consciousness future that we grow into. That's our potential. And listening to that potential that the future whispers, uh, that the future calls us in a way. That's connected to the calling that we were talking about before. Okay. So if you 
if we listen to that calling, that's also we listen to a higher or more kind of expanded intelligence. And that's that's also a very important practice. So it's it's stillness practice, and it's kind of a practice of innovation or creativity. It's like the vertical dimension of um, consciousness development. And then maybe the last one is that living an ethical life. Like it's it. So when I, I live a very dishonest life while I meditate mm. uh, here and there that's not a very sustainable spiritual practice. So there are contemplative practices, but then it's also important, especially for us, because we live in culture, how we live relationships and relations in our life, how we relate to people and how sustainable is how we relate to people, how much presence and respect and honesty and, you know, how, how, we, how accountable are we in our relational network and that I think relation and relating is a core spiritual practice and communication and the way we, we feel each other when we talk to each other. I think that's also a deep, that's kind of a social contemplation. Yeah, okay. Uh, and they make, they make sense. I mean, those are some of the intangibles, I guess, which is what I guess a spiritual sort of journey is about, is connecting with, you know, those things that are fundamental to you know, discovering that, that calling, which is our relationships and, you know, living aligned with your values or having an ethical life. Um, but also, you know, finding that silence, um, to connect, I guess, within what I, what I'm curious about is, you know, for, for people listening out there, um, how long typically, and what are the signs that people will get when they start this sort of practice? You know, they start going into silence because what I, what I'm, um, aware of is that a lot of people might think this is great and you know they start meditating and then after a short or longer period of time they might go oh, this is just not working you know because they haven't actually gotten to that that level of silence that may be required yeah that's a good question like the, um <clears throat> i think meditation is more like like a window that we create in our life just to listen to life it's a window where we don't do what we usually do. And and so that window is kind of a reflective or contemplative window. And it's actually not so much about what's happening in that time. It's more that we make the time and we connect to our bodies, we connect to our breath, and we drop in inside and we listen and that, that aware listening, it doesn't matter if my mind's racing or my mind is quiet. It's like it creates more of an unconditional presence. I'm here and whatever arises is good. Mm. And sometimes a lot of fear arises, shame, numbness, a lot of thinking, nothing, just images from the past like metabolizing uh, past experiences. But sometimes there might be windows of stillness there yeah. might be window of you know like a deepening so that and then we taste and like certain deeper states and and the importance to know is that like spiritual practice is not a quick fix and it's not um it's not fast food it's something like it's like a good old wine and people practice this 
for thousands of years. And it's like, I think, a, a realistic take on spiritual practices that we need to devote our life to this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of, it's a thing that, that will be with us for the rest of our life. And I think if you can hold it that way, that we are walking forever, and and that's why we are not in a hurry, that's a very good foundation for... Um, like a very authentic and true spiritual practice, even if the marketplace of spirituality tells us many, promises us many other things. But I think it's actually an illusion. Everybody, every senior practitioner knows that, that usually that's a, you know, that's a lifelong deepening journey. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think, um, you know, if you look at a toxic body um, health, health wise, you know, you can't just expect to go to the gym uh, a couple of days in a week and, and uh, be fit and healthy. You know, it takes time um, both through what you consume, you know, what you eat, what your diet is, plus how you move the body. Um, and same with yeah, this process of meditation. Look, I think it's, um, you know, there's a lot more to the conversation uh, potentially as well. I want to run into um, the quick round questions that I ask all guests, Thomas. So I'll jump into that in a second. Uh, but I know you've got a lot of things going on on the side. So, uh, perhaps the best way to for people to connect with you would be through your website. Is that right? That's right. Yes. So is that Thomas Haber at uh, sorry thomashaber dot com? Yeah, it's thomashubel dot com. Thomas h u e b l dot com. Right. Yeah. So um, I'll stick the link in the show notes. And you've got some courses going on. You're doing a few things at the moment. That's right. We are. We are. Actually, now it's coming up to Celebrate Life Festival in upstate New York at Omega uh, from the 12th to the 17th of um, August. Okay. And we do lots of long-term training programs and collective trauma training programs, yeah. So they can check out the information for that online as well? Right, online on my website or pocketproject.org uh, or Celebrate Life um, these are all websites where you can see the different activities. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'll stick the links in the show notes guide for this episode, so check it out at thehiddenwide.com. And um, yeah, if you're interested in the conversation that we've had today, you'll probably definitely enjoy um, going along to that festival as well. Thomas, the first question I have for you, and these are quick round questions. Um, so the first question I have is: Do you have routines or rituals that you believe contribute to your success? Yeah, a deep sense of inner listening and uh, and making making God the divine awakening a priority in my life. What advice would you give your twenty year old self? To keep on practicing. How do you define success? I think success for a human being is when when we are deeply synchronized with our core and that we that we become a kind of a fluid expression of of that deep essence that really matters to us and is also kind of synchronized with the rest of of, of the world. What is a tool, skill or resource that you feel has helped you improve your effectiveness or productivity? the most yeah two things like a kind of a state of inner presence and uh, and to grow the capacity to tune in with uh, 
circumstances, people, like situations. And so like the, like to make also um, human relation, like a deep contemplation and that communication is such a beautiful um, element of human life and that we communicate so much more than we say with words. And I think if we can learn to listen to that, that's, that that's a kind of an accelerator of, of human relationships. Okay. What advice would you give to someone that is wanting or needing to make some change in their life? Um, first of all, first of all, to have the courage to really listen to oneself and to like to make the space also for when, when I'm not clear, then to take the time to really sit down and, and, and make some space to, to feel oneself and to listen to oneself. The other thing is that a yes to, to the willingness to change sometimes comes with, with flow and ease and change sometimes comes with friction and difficulty. And that I will, that I will commit to, to the walking you know, not to the outcome necessarily, but that I will be in the different situations with as much presence and awareness and participation that I as I can. And and I think that that courage to really face life, because when yes. we are changing, we are often um, we are we are often in in a in a time in our life when things are not fully flowing, and and to find a yes to be to be in this and keep listening to one's inside. I like that. If I were to serve you your last meal, what would you request? <laughs> um, what would I request? I would request a, a meal that somebody cooked with love. Okay, what activity gives you the greatest sense of joy? Like uh, sitting and listening to, to, to the divine. If you could pass down one book uh, to your children or future generations, what would that be? The Tao Te Ching. Who's that by? What is it? Tao Te Ching, Lao Tse. Oh, yeah. The Tao. Mm -hmm. And if you could uh, send out a message to the world, a tweet or a text or a phrase, quote, uh, what would you say or send? Like that we invite again a sense of sacredness into our life and that we that we kind of live our relations uh, in a way that, that they become a vessel for kind of a shared mutual sacred experience. So with this question here, I think I know the answer. Do you believe we all have a hidden why or a purpose? Absolutely. And we sort of talked about that throughout this episode. What does living life with passion and purpose mean to you? Yeah, that we that we first learn within ourselves what what deeply motivates us and what is really meaningful in our life, 
and then that we have the courage to really live this as our life in the world and in the marketplace or in, in, in culture and that we are willing to be, you know, to stand our own ground, but also respect everybody else's ground or purpose and support each other in it. Yeah, cool. And final question, what do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do? The divine, like listening to the divine, like listening and, and, and living a life that is kind of serving uh, that purpose. Okay. Interesting conversation, Matt. I've really enjoyed it today, and I'm sure the uh, listeners have got a lot out of today's conversation as well. So thank you for sharing and coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's very generous of you. So thank you. I enjoyed the conversation as well. Yeah. And I'm very happy for you doing this. I think this uh, contributes something very meaningful and all the different takes and perspectives onto development and human consciousness. I think you're doing a great job. So thank you for it. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, and thanks for the, the compliment. I um, I think more and more of these conversations are happening around the world. Obviously, you're doing the same thing on a larger scale. So, you know, it's it's great to see. And, and as people tune in, hopefully, um, you know, we can we can overcome that collective trauma that you um, talk about passionately. So, yeah, Thomas, okay. thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. And um, guys out there listening, check it all out at thehiddenwhy.com. Um, please do reach out to Thomas, check out his um, courses, etc., um, the Celebrate Life Festival that's coming up as well. Um, the links will be in the show notes to so check it all out. And um, yeah, let's stay connected. Thank you. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon